Okay, with Christian Gazet Villa, uh, I Love You Kaiju is the short film, uh, six minutes comedy festival, really interesting film. Uh, could we talk about the twist? Because obviously the, the movie is all about the twist, I guess, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, okay. So give people a, a lowdown. It's, 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 uh, I guess it's like a Zoom kind of like COVID uh, kind of like dates that people have, but there's the twist at the end. What's the twist at the end? Uh, the twist at the end is is that they've been talking about this 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 problem, uh, and we, we we you can't help but think the way that they're talking about it that they're talking about a pandemic. Yeah, um, absolutely suggest that. But then it's not the pandemic. The thing that is actually uh, this Lizzie uh, that's going around that's in all the papers that they're talking about that there's apps about that people are avoiding is a giant monster. It's literally a kaiju that has moved into Los Angeles. <laughs> so it's like a, it's a it's so basically it's a monster movie but the, the context is that we're, we're oh it's another one of those like zoom uh covid films that we've seen or at least i've seen a ton of times before and then all of a sudden like i'm watching the film and it's still good i like it it's like it's entertaining me i've seen it before and all of a sudden you give this this uh this monster looking out the window i guess right yeah it was you know i wanted to show something of our experience that's happening in that time, you know, it was locked down and it was surge after surge and it was all crazy. We're all going nuts. And uh, and I wanted to kind of show the, how people were dealing with that. And and it was fun to do it. Very, We were all experiencing Zoom. Yeah, we're all experiencing video conferencing. So I thought, you know, let's do something about what right what you know. And here was this, this date going on and found great actors. Uh, they were friends of the writer, Chris McGann, uh, Samba uh, and um, Olivia were just really really hilarious um they were chris's friends asked them to do it and they did it samba is now on our flag means death uh for what taika waititi on hbo and that, well, that's fantastic he's a totally wonderfully talented hilarious guy very very professional and um and olivia's doing more of her hilarious videos which she's fantastic too it was so such a just wonderful working with them so you just and you I, mentioned that chris mccann uh he wrote the screenplay so when did he how did you guys collaborate on this film so I, uh, Chris was a uh, in a class with a with a producer a friend of mine. A producer is, uh, was teaching a class, a screenwriting class. Chris took the class, and she said, "Man, there's this one hilarious student. He's got this great idea about this. Like it's a rom com, but there's a kaiju in it. Yeah. Like, and you know, he's he's a transplant. He's not a Californian, so he comes to L.A. And his experience of L.A. is dating is crazy." And, you know, he's like, if there if there was a kaiju in L.A., people would just deal with it. Like people in L.A., after a while, after the newness wore off, we'd just be like, yeah, yeah. OK, so let's somebody write an app. That's let's human nature, it. though, right? That's what we're what? doing as humans. We just exactly. deal with whatever the conflict comes our way. That's it. Right. The pandemic proved that, you know, we're uh, how we're going to react to something big and monstrous and destructive. And we're not all going to agree. And it's going to be crazy. And we, we've learned that about ourselves. Unfortunately, I, I would love to have been in a parallel universe where, you know, there's a bit more unity as far as the approach. But we're not in that world. We're in the world of I love you, Kaiju. So I just want to make fun of that. Yeah. I want to make fun of uh human beings dealing with this thing, like just basically through apathy. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So the context is that I'm watching this film, like the other audience members is that we remember March, April, May, 2020, there's that fear that's hanging over us. Right. We're like, yeah. if we get COVID, we're going to die. And so like, so that, so then we don't want to meet, we don't want to go outside. We don't want to run into people. We know a lot different now, but then it was that, was that emotional reaction. So it's the same context of of a monster of being outside i guess right like it's yeah 
exactly. That's how it felt, right? You, you didn't, you go outside, you see another person, you're all, ah, is this it? There was this horrible feeling like you, you really could at any moment, uh, you know, get it and go. And we all had, I had friends early on who, you know, they passed away. Uh, and my brother had friends who passed away, you know, older people in our lives. And, and it was just seemed to be instantaneous. You just never knew who would get it. And, you know, we were wiping down our food. And so it was, it was this monster outside. And, uh, and Chris had the fun idea of making it a kaiju instead of a pandemic. And yeah, uh, I think great. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> we just said at the same time. <laughs> so, so you kind of set up the twist where like the first scene in the film is Los Angeles. So we just assume everything's cool. And yeah. then even out the windows, right? Especially for the, the girls uh, moment where you're like, you're seeing outside, like, or at least you're seeing a little bit of outside. So you're thinking everything's fine. Yeah. And then you get, as the audience, you get wrapped into this, this relationship because we all love, as we've learned through romantic comedies and romance romantic films in general, we like seeing people connect. And it seems like these people are pretty cool and uh, they're attractive and they have a connection, even though they're not in the same room. So then we kind of lose sight of what your, your intentions are. And then all of a sudden it goes like a roller coaster and all of a sudden it just like shocks us. It's like a big dip and a couple circles around the roller coaster. And we're like, we're laughing and we're shocked at the same time, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's the idea. And I really wanted to, uh, I love this idea that, uh, and, and I wanted to kind of sell it. So I, I, I had said, Chris, I love your idea for your, for your rom-com. Let's do a little teaser. So let's write up a scene that, that kind of typifies the premise of the piece and, uh, and we'll go from there. And uh, it was really, it really was about make this just a date piece. Don't let people know, don't play yeah. the end at the beginning. Like make them think it's all about these guys. Uh, Act, uh, these characters cast really strong comedic actors that can really connect uh it was very we had a script of course but it was also i let them improvise so we we did takes that were hardcore specific to the letter and then we did takes that were improvisational and samba's just so funny i mean he's just and olivia is hilarious if you haven't seen olivia herman's comedy you've got to see it on inst on her instagram it's just just hilarious and for me as a native new yorker even though i was raised in la i was surrounded by new yorkers all my life because so many of them transplanted out here to la at that time and so for me that i'll always feel very familiar with that accent i'll always feel like home for me so olivia does this great long island stuff that's just hilarious and so so how did you shoot it then? Did you shoot it like a Zoom? Like what was your process? Yeah, that was wild. We we literally recorded Zooms. And we also, as a, as a B camera, as a second camera, each actor had their iPhones and Samba had a DSLR. So Samba had a, an iPhone and a DSLR and we're recording the Zoom. And Olivia had recording the Zoom and her iPhone. And so we that's how we did it. And we lined up the shot. We, we never... Unfortunately, it was during a surge. I was the there were things were starting to there was a little bit of a, a lull and then a surge hit and I was I was uh bummed out because I couldn't go over there and set up shots at all. So yeah. we just basically did it through Zoom. You know, we said they they placed a camera and I talked them through it and and there were also storyboards. I'm a storyboard artist yeah. uh, as well um, for Marvel right now, previously for Netflix and for other people before that. And uh so I storyboarded a lot of the key shots and sent them to them. And I said, kind of match this. And so they had some, some images to go by, but the actors were the DPs essentially. Well, that's what I was going to reference. You said, cause you are a professional storyboard artist. You work in the art department as well. So in terms of the, of like the crispness or the production design of the, you, you're limited, right? Did it drive you crazy a little bit? Someone with your experience and like your so, hotel? 
you're absolutely hit it on the head. It drove me crazy. It drove me crazy not to, as an art department person, we're born to futz, right? Yeah. We're going to futz with a ribbon. We're going to futz with a doorknob. We're going to futz with, we're going to put a hat a certain angle. We're going to move. Everything's going to futz. So not being able to be in the room with them futzing was insane. I would never want to do that again. So, okay. So I just want to figure, I want to ask a question. Where did, how did you do the, the, the monster? Like it was all special effects in the, in my, my like great buddy, John Munoz. Yeah. John Munoz is a, as a young uh, CG professional who came to town from Texas. We worked on a small independent film and uh, I wasn't going to ask him actually. I, I didn't want to ask him the favor. Cause I, I was like, I, how many, you know, it's a kaiju. It's a few frames. It's pretty complicated. Yeah. And, but John was like, oh, what you're doing a short with a kaiju I'm in. And so he jumped in, you know, you don't get a chance to do a kaiju a lot uh, as a VFX person. So he jumped in, did a wonderful job and we found a model and he augmented the model and rigged the model and, uh, and just really nailed it. Uh, so I'm, I also have a great history in visual effects. I worked at Weta Workshop in New Zealand for off and on for a few years. And uh, also I'm a, a member of the Visual Effects Society. So I really do keep my hand in visual effects. I love visual effects. My graphic novel, The Red Star, was the first comic book to use traditional penciled characters, but then CG environments and uh, composite the two together. So I, I really love CG and it was really wonderful to do, uh, to take this rom-com, make it all about these two wonderful young people who were starting to connect and then ruin it with this monstrous presence taking over the city. So you're, you're referencing in the, in, in the answers is that you, you have vast experience in the film industry. You're uh, like, you're, so how was making this like kind of like mini short for you? Like you've worked on these huge productions as in the art department. Like you said, you worked for Marvel, you worked for Netflix. You know, you worked in like uh, the art department, like Alice in Wonderland, for example. I'm not going to name drop the films you worked on just to give people a uh, background. So how does it like, how are you like, re how is it making this like kind of Zoom comedy for you? You know, it was, I, I love doing it and I, I love making small films. My, my, my first film was this short. Um, and so I've done, this was my fourth short film. And I do love working with uh, people who are up and coming. John Munoz is great. He's working professionally. Samba, as I said, is now on a Taika Waititi show. So it's really fun working with uh, young actors and, and kind of just throwing it together pretty, pretty spontaneously and and seeing what you can get so it, it's nice to balance out the the big productions where you have you know less to say you're a part of a machine um although i'm i'm on a great team right now my, my netflix and marvel shows i've been really fortunate the teams i'm on are very very uh collaborative give a lot of a lot of say to the story art teams so i'm really enjoying that uh however it is still a big show you know and you play your part when you're directing monster, a short film, right? you, huh, sorry it's a monster. Like those productions are huge. They're gigantic. They're, they're so fantastic. I, I love a big show. I'm, I did a lot of team sports as a kid. So I love playing a role on a big team and being a part of something bigger than me. I, I really enjoy that. And, uh, and they are, they're, they're monstrous. They're, you look at the slack and you're gosh, you're like, gosh, here's our department. And here's all the other departments. I tell my, <laughs> my coordinators and producers all the time, how much I respect them. I was actually taught directing by a producer. So I have a great respect for above the line and, and uh, and line producers and all the logistics of a production. I think that's a really underappreciated aspect of, of what we do. Did your manager tell you to say that in the interview or? <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But you directed a couple of TV. You directed a couple episodes of Pandora, right? How was yes, that I did. I did a couple. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I was I was just curious. How was that experience jumping into it? Was, it was uh, it was blissful. You know, directing network television. Uh, it was just bliss. It's something I'd wanted to do my whole life. I'd, I'd gone to set as a kid, watching my dad do his pieces, and you know, going to set in the '70s was a was a was a crazy. Break. Talk about an army. Every television show was an army. Everything was union back then. It was massive, and so to direct a network episode, uh, two of them. Uh, was great. It was nice to, I was only slated for one. I was asked back after the first one. So that was really cool uh, to know that I had, you know, I must've done yeah. okay asking me back. And uh, it was, you know, my first day ever, uh, I was supposed to direct a late season episode, but then a director dropped out. So my buddy said, Hey, look, I'm going to move you up. You're going to do episode three. Uh, can you handle it? Because listen, I know this is your first network episode. We're going to have you shadow the director of the first two, but the network executives from CW are going to be on set. They're going to arrive. Your first day ever directing network television is going to be the day that the network execs are there watching your every move. Can you mm -hmm. handle it? And I was like, 1000%, just give it to me. I don't, I'll, I'll. and of course on the inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I handle it? But on the outside, I was like, you know what? I'll work it out. And I, I did. I just, uh, I poured myself into research. I poured myself into uh, learning everything I needed to do. I, there was a fan fantastic book about directing um, that I can't recall the title of at the moment, which is just terrible. I'm sorry about that, but it was incredible written by these two directors, uh, one of whom runs the apprentice director department at Warner brothers. Um, and uh, gosh, they're just fantastic. They, they both have directed many, many television episodes. And it is, it is a real of all the books on directing that you could read that are about theory and about composition. Yeah. And kind of, this book is here's what you need to know as a professional director on set. It was absolutely a textbook and I'm really glad I, I read it. Also my friend, Barbara Ablar is a professional union script soup. She's on black Panther two right now. She's been on all kinds of stuff for Disney and all kinds of, she was on uh, uh, bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell. Really? Uh, she also took me through. I said, Hey, from a script soup perspective, here comes that respect again for, you know, below the line and you know, all the departments, I, I that team sport kind of feel. I said, hey, Barbara, from a script suit position, you've seen directors mess up all the time. So what are some best practices, you know, from the script suit position? Because let's just talk about it. And she walked me through, uh, you know, all these different experiences she's had with directors messing up and directors, what they should and shouldn't do. And and I just I soaked that all up. And so, uh, yeah, it was a great time. It was it was a really, really great time. It's It's nice to get to have all those resources and to have these wonderful people all around you that you can work with and call upon. I had an amazing art department in Bulgaria yeah. uh, that was, you know, and it's fun to, you know, you're on a spaceship, you know, you're doing a space show, which is fun. You get to like, you know, do space stuff. So that was, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I worked in the industry in locations for a long time. So I got to see a lot of sets and, and I worked a lot of television shows and one of the directors, uh, I don't want to name him because he, case he doesn't want to, but he said sure. that, he said that like directing television is that I'm the least experienced person on set. Everybody, because they they all the new director comes in, but the crew still remains, right? So they're uh, bringing yeah. in new directors because of because of scheduling, and uh, of course, and so basically, so they can they can they know what they're doing, right? So I'm just like I'm I'm steering the ship and making sure the tone and the style remains intact within the context of the of the of the style of the, of the series, I guess, right? Yes, definitely. And fortunately, this was, a, you know, this was a first season of a show. So yeah. there were all kinds of uh, possibilities and opportunities. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And it was only the third episode. So there was a lot of stuff they were still figuring out. So yeah. it was kind of the best of both worlds. The crew is definitely there and set for the season. Uh, the DP, Max Schmiga, AFI graduate, fantastic, fantastic DP, really, really just knew how to cover your ass like constantly you know if, if it, you know a lot of the time you're shooting pretty fast yeah. and as a dp he knew what to, he knew how to just grab you know as we're as those precious few minutes in a certain location or a certain setup are waning he knows what to just 
grab wild so that you can cut it together later. A great editing. Dana Gasparine was my editor. She's working like crazy now. And uh, just like, yeah, you like you again? said, Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I'm happy. I'm really enjoying animation and story art because it's essentially directing. You're, you're kind of the first person to visualize the script and then you hand those visualizations in to the director and producer and they, they take a look at it and they, and they say, Oh, this is great. Now revise this, this, and this. And, and you kind of plus it, uh, plus it is an old Disney term, you know, Disney invented the story art process. And so we still use a lot of his jargon, a lot of his terminology. Plusing it means, yeah, this is cool. It's funny, but it could be funnier. What can we do to plus it? This is sad, but it could be sadder. What can we do to plus that sadness? So there's this wonderful back and forth. And uh, it's great to be at Disney where they, where they invented story art and where they really know the process and how important it is and how much back and forth there should be. Uh, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, for just for one example, took nine years, most of that in the story art process. So I'm a big believer in fixing it in pre uh, and that's one of the things that helped kaiju work out was you know it's, it's great you show actors hey look i'm not just you know riffing here i've got pictures i got images i got boards here's yeah. the feel of the piece here's where you, you know, i'd like you to be in camera you know it gives them a chance to really get into it and see how serious you are i think a lot of directors uh don't prepare enough and i i pride myself on that it makes like what you just described it's the like the your film because like i like i said to you it's like a We've seen this before, but it's like, but then of course the twist is all about the twist, but you, you engage us. It's sort of like Titanic where we're like, we forget the ship is going to sink in a sense. Right. We're like, we're, we get into the relationships. We're like, we're Thank like, we're, we're, we're there. Right. So like, so basically that I'm name dropping uh, Cameron because he's from my hometown basically, but basically oh, wow. it's that same, same sort of analogy, whether you agree with it or not, but it's basically meaning that we, the, the your, your twist is going to make the film amazing. But you wrap us into the story, and that's and so we we're engaged and we're laughing and we're we're into these characters, and that's what it's about. And that's been preparations about that. I like I'm going to use that word. Is a plus the Disney word? Is a plusing? You said plusing it. Yeah, that's why they call it Disney Plus. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll bet there's a connection. Um, and it, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it until now, but you're absolutely right. I, James Cameron is my favorite living director, by the okay. way. So. Yeah, we're both from Niagara Falls. We're both like Niagara Falls, Canada. So yeah. So just funny coincidence. So yeah. So guys, it's, I guess it's like punching up the the find the, the when you're leading a scene or when you're like, how can we make it better? How can we punch it? Like if it's a funny moment, how can we like make it? Like how can we end the scene in its funniest moment? I guess how can we end? Yeah. It's in its. Is that what you're kind of describing? Yeah, that's it. And, you know, we draw it out. Walt said long ago, we don't write our stories, we draw them. And he was absolutely right. There, there are scripts, but those scripts quickly be, are, are meant to th be thrown at story art. We churn them into images. The images go back to, edit, to the directors. The directors check stuff out. And then they what they like, they have the, the writers write that in. And then there's this wonderful, you know, cyclical process. And things get fine-tuned, which is why... You know, Disney, so much of Disney and Marvel stuff has that, like, my goodness, it's just down to the millisecond yeah. tight, tightness. And it, it it works, you know, it 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 it's evident, it's evident that it works. I just got back from vacation. I have two kids. I have a six-year-old and three-year-old. And we were taking them on drive, so they were watching uh, Disney Plus in the back seat, and they were watching uh, Toy Story. And I was amazed how sudden the storytelling of those films are so profound i was like kind of blown away like how good they are it's like how the how much time is taken into each scene and like and like just because i'm driving i'm listening to it and it's like holy cow like this is really good storytelling 
Yeah. And, and that's the, that's, that's why Disney wins. That's why Disney wins the 20th century is I'm convinced there's many reasons, many factors, yeah. but one of them is this commitment to visual storytelling. Yeah. So many, you know, Walt comes from the silent era. You know, those are the films he fell in love with as a kid and the DNA in that company still has that. You can still look at a Disney movie most of the time with the sound da- with the sound off yeah. and you'll be able to know what's going on. Yeah, well, they, they guess they, that's a good story, too, because they had like, they almost went bankrupt in the 80s. And then like Eisner and Katzenberg, two Jews from New York, saved middle America, I guess, like storytelling. <laughs> no, but it was this ironic where like they they brought it back up. Right. They 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 revived the, the brand, I guess. Right. They did. They did. They really brought it back to uh, brought it back to the roots, you know, of of this kind of romantic storytelling they just kind of went out on a limb and it was brilliant of them to get involved with pixar because they were the future and it was really really great to to realize hey look you know the lassiter is cal arts lassiter was at disney yeah. uh you know cat mole was one of the pioneers of C- of cg in general and uh, let's let's go ahead and, and and we know steve jobs um he's 100%. no he's no you know He's no, uh, Pixar, right? like, yeah. That's, that's yeah, let's bring him on in. And yeah, brilliant stuff they did. I mean, it's, it really is an incredible uh, story over there. Um, what were they were able to do? And, and it's now they're be- doing films about, not just about girls wanting to get married. <laughs> like they're, they're yeah. doing like real stories. It's so good. in like my generation, my daughter, it's like, this, she doesn't get to watch like nothing against those films, like nothing against little mermaid or anything like sure, that. Sure. But like these female characters have an arc now they have a purpose, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. There's, it's so wide open now. And that's another reason why it's really fun. You know, Kaiju is, Hey, let's do a rom-com with a Kaiju. Let's let's smash that up. You know, why not? It's a metaphor for COVID. It's a metaphor for, you know, and so why not do that? And I love that. I, I, I teach, uh, I was teaching before my uh, current work, but I taught for a long time, story, art, story development, and one of the things I encourage all my students is, look, it is wide open now. I cannot even tell you. There's no story that you can't attempt to get sold at this point. So last question, what did you think about the audience feedback video that we sent you? Oh, my gosh. I want to thank everybody. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to thank everybody uh, from you know my face, thanking them <laughs> so they can see me say how grateful I was to get that feedback. You, you, we don't know. You know, you, we do what we do. We put it out there. We're not responsible for the reaction. We just hope that it's good. And for those reactions, they were so like thoughtful and so useful and incredible. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys uh, and your festival and giving me the feedback on this piece. And uh, it was great. I thought it was really useful feedback. I, I really love that it played. Right. We want to know that the that the message we're trying to convey is getting across. And everybody made that made it clear that uh, that we had done that. So thanks That's again. Amazing. Thank you for that. I'm so glad you're happy. You're such a value. You're like a wealth of experience and knowledge. So you saying that means a lot. That was great. I was I was so happy. So why don't we talk again uh, when you make your next film and, uh, yeah. and or when you get something to promote and uh, look and let's let's uh, let's touch base. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate we'll it. I appreciate your time. Ma, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. One, two, three, four, five, six.